Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast maiden is being held on Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And we would like to pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging and their multiple birth parents with children with disabilities. And today's episode is Sharon. She's an award-winning qualified ADHD coach who specialises in providing support and strategies for people with ADHD and those that support them. This podcast contains truth, laughter and the occasional F word, so it's not really suitable for children. Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit. That's right. This is a language warning. Oh, shit. Hello, Mandy. Hello, Kate. Here we are in Melbourne's spring of deception. Some days <laughs> 28, some days 12. It's the. It's, it's just... The weather flirt is at her very best in October, I think. Oh, my goodness. And there's big floods, there's fires, snow, you name it. It's all happening, Australia. It is. So, yeah. yeah. Thinking of all you keys out there that are dealing with that. Mm -hmm. My goodness. Anyway, Mm. right now, right here, it's okay. We're okay. Yeah. I'm at my house because there's lots of illnesses. Mm -hmm. So hopefully next week I'll be back sitting next to Kate. (laughs) Hopefully. Anyway. Anyway, we never know. No, we never know. It's just the you know you're only one day away from gastro. It's Mandy's right. greatest saying. That's right. Saying. My favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> I go to the supermarket and I think it's today the day. Today the day. Well, I wish that I'd candle. bought um, Gatorade or whatever else I should have bought. <laughs> Do I need more Domestos? I don't know. <laughs> it's just a good way to prepare yourself because you could have all the plans in the world. And oh, then it's the best. 
It's toilet time. Yeah, it's toilet time. <laughs> anyway, let's introduce our guest. <laughs> You'd like to say hello and introduce yourself. Oh, hello. Thank you, ladies. I'm so excited to be here. I'm Sharon Collin. I am the owner of The Functional Family and I am a certified ADHD coach. Wow. Yeah, The Functional Family. I haven't got one of them, but I really well, like was, that you do. It was almost called, the company was almost called The Dysfunctional yes, Family. Yes. So I'm sure we'll get that. <laughs> All right, let's well, start with our three questions. So, do you have a song or a band or music that either lifts you up in the good times or like helps you in the bad? Oh, yes. I would have to go for my, you know, a band from my hometown from Brisbane. Mm. Uh, they're called The Last Dinosaurs and mm. there is a song called Honolulu. Mm. And every time I listen to it, I just feel good. Oh, oh that's what we want. Right. Yeah. Oh, that lifts listen. me up. Mm. That mm. sounds great. We'll put that on the Spotify list so people can find it. Excellent. My favourite Aussie band is Ballpark Music and they are also from Brisbane. There you go. Must there be producing of good music. They're all happy up there. There's so much happy sunshine. Happy the sunshine. They've got, they got vitamin D. they got dopamine. All the bands from <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne are emo bands. <laughs> emo with hay fever. Emo. <laughs> Which makes it hard to sing. It's really. <laughs> anyway. What about, and I can see some behind you, yes. but do you, did you win any awards at school or in your time as your business? Um, in my business, I not so many in school, mm-hmm. um, but school, I don't know, but definitely in my business. I have won a best podcast of the year, which you guys all like, um, awesome. ma- uh, People's Choice Making a Difference, business, local business awards, and uh, there's Lots of ones. I really like the People's Choice ones because oh, they are yeah. showing that the community is getting behind beautiful people with ADHD. So the podcast award, what? who gave that to you? Like what? That's a company called Osmumpreneur, which oh, are right. my favourite because I love uh, women supporting other women. Yes. And I think we don't do that, like we don't get recognised enough for the incredible jobs that we do and being a mum and also having a business mm, is mm. quite tricky. So I do love um, that organisation. They are lovely. Yes, mm, brilliant mm. women. And also very inclusive, which I really like. Yeah. They really do a good job of that. Yeah, yeah, and they really pioneered something that we didn't know we were missing was to celebrate women, yeah. pre- mumpreneurs or whatever you want to call yes. it. Yes, yes. Mm. Yeah. Ah, cool. Well, they look very pretty. People can't see them, but... Yes. They are all lined up beautifully in little cubes and it's very, yeah, very cute. Gorgeous. Mandy and oh, I also have you. our awards behind us. There's none. none. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and our favourite question, why are you a P or part of the P community? So I have a husband that has very severe ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, to, now, I'm an ADHD coach, so for me to say that is <laughs> it's definitely on the extreme side of the yep. of the spectrum mm-hmm. and I have three beautiful boys that have ADHD as well we also have um, Tourette's ODD sensory processing disorder specific learning disorders in there as well yep and um yeah so I'm definitely living it every day and part of this beautiful community and I've got to say all my favorite people in the world have ADHD they really <laughs> do don't they a lot of yeah. mine do as well yeah, <laughs> yeah yes, fabulous. yes yes it just means you know, I was trying to describe to someone what it was like the other day and I said, every day is a sleepover when you've got, when you know, that's my life, when people are like, oh, thank God the sleepover's over. 
no, it never ends here. <laughs> it just runs, uh, ha- you know, our household runs at quite an intensity, right, yeah. which I think that for some families they can do like a, a peak of intensity mm. and then they relax. But a lot of times for people with when they have neurodiversity in the family, mm. it runs at a higher mm. level of intensity a lot of the time, which is why we see that burnout component coming in a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, I often make the joke that someone needs to film my family for a documentary series. That's what oh, it is. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. But I, it has to be done nicely. Yeah, yeah it does. It does have yeah. to be done nicely. I need the edit. I want to be able to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> Not letting somebody horrible do it. But, yes, yes, yes. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about, like, obviously you said your husband has severe ADHD. Did you know that or is he, when was he diagnosed? Yeah, so when I first met Anthony, I could pick it straight away. Like there's no avoiding it. He can, he's only got two modes. Like he's very high on the hyperactivity spectrum, so yes. e- easy to identify. Yes. And I've had a little bit of exposure to ADHD before. My brother was diagnosed uh, and I looked after a lovely little boy that had ADHD as a nanny. And so um, I could pick it and the same things that he struggled with I found really exciting. Like he's very spontaneous. He's mm. kind of like very energetic. He's quite gifted. Like he can do lots of things uh, without reading. He's never read, read a manual in his life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when I uh, li- talked to him about his experiences growing up, they were full of trauma. Mm. Like his experience of school um being socially isolated as the naughty kid Mm -hmm. uh being told that he was never going to amount to anything because of his behavior Mm. and very much growing up in like the 80s and 90s where we were only just just sort of starting to grasp about neurodiversity and how to be inclusive Mm. uh luckily his parents were really great so he had that great backing at home but had a terrible time you know school and socially I think and so when we had our went on to have our beautiful little boys my first boy was exactly like they are the same (laughs) my husband and my eldest son they are so similar Mm. and I'm looking at him I know very clearly that he is going to have the same struggles with Anthony like even as a baby he was so unsettled and so like so um super active Mm. I mean Anthony walked at seven months to Mm. be like very very mm. active all the time. Mm. Uh, and Xavier was exactly the same. And um, so I was looking at my little boy and then looking at my husband and thinking, oh, my gosh, how can I protect him from that trauma mm. that Anthony experienced? Mm. And I started researching ADHD really heavily. And then during that time uh, went on to have two other boys that have ADHD as well. And I was just really keen to change that storyline mm. from Anthony's story to, for my boys to have a different path and have a different story. And when we got our first son diagnosed, they gave us, I don't know if you guys had a better experience with the diagnostic process. I mean, this was 15 years ago now. They gave us a photocopied pamphlet about mm-hmm. ADHD. Mm. And I was kind of like stunned. I was like, but where's the support? Like, where can we, where yeah. can we go? Yeah. Where can, what can we do? This, like my child was on the roof, you know, yeah, like, yeah. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to raise a functional human being out of this? Because we were all burnt out. Mm. And um, mm. and I, I just looked around for support and I couldn't find what I was looking for at that no, stage. No. And so we decided as a family that we would create it. Wow. And that's how the functional family came about. That name came about. Um, and 
I love to, my, my kids probably won't say this, but I love to run experiments on my household. And this is what I did before I formally trained as an ADHD coach. So I'd do weird things. Like I'd read up books and I'd read up parenting strategies and I was like almost obsessive with it. Yeah. And I'd like do things like I'd get them to come into a messy room and I'd document their body language and like what they were doing. And then I'd get them to come into a clear room and see what they were doing and um and how that changed and i documented everything in these weird procedures because you know i had three kids and i was desperately trying to find yeah. a way to make life easier yeah and then i started sharing what i knew and what was coming up and what was what strategies in all the books that i was reading was working what ones weren't uh and then that obviously led me to study it formally as well so you know it's it's been quite a quite a journey yeah yeah amazing and when you were saying all that study, I just remember when my twins were little. So they saw a pediatrician from birth because they were preemie and it was a high-risk pregnancy. So we didn't have that sudden diagnosis. Like we sort of knew things were churning away. And um, I just remember the amount of books I bought on ADHD. And some of them were so – like you'd literally throw it across the room because you, it was just so repugnant to me. It didn't reflect my family. Obviously antiquated research, even though – you know, ADHD is very well researched and especially the medication side is extremely well researched, but yet some of the ideas were so, or they just felt horrible to me. And recently I moved house and I was like, look at all these books I bought, like so many, because I was so desperate because I nobody could talk to you like, like you, even though I had the most amazing pediatrician that I could text, there was no group to go to, to say, this is amazing lived experience of adults with ADHD who could say to me, do this because I don't think my mind works the same as my boys does. So why am I telling them what to do? And sometimes I think the more parents read and the more and we've got access to so much information mm. these days that because they consume all this knowledge, when it gets to the heat of the moment and the moment is emotionally charged, they freeze, mm, mm. right? So they they trying to draw on or access all this information that they've absorbed in their brain and they're trying to recall the right strategy but their kid's screaming in front of them, which mm. makes them, you know, like it's stressful so they go back into their amygdala, right? Mm. And they just panic and they don't know what to do. Um, and so we really have to give people really easy practical strategies. I think that's where we miss out. Like there's high-level psychological strategies mm. which have their place, Right. But sometimes we need to take some of that pressure off mm. and give them things to do in that heat of the moment as mm. well. Which is- My kids on the roof, their <laughs> twin brothers on the roof. Yeah. Got three other kids in the house. I've got all my friends coming over with their twins. Yeah. And what do I do? Like, who, who do I get down first? Yeah. Well, all of us walk in and go, wow, okay. They're <laughs> <laughs> scaling fences. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, some of the advice that I've been given is just you know, like over the years, I think it's getting better now, but, um, you know, like you, it just doesn't feel right. Mm. Um, and so I think it's really great to in, be able to empower parents and, and even individuals with ADHD to mm. actually ask people what they need, mm. you know, um, and for parents to to have an approach that actually feels nice for them. Yeah, yeah. And so your son was how old when he was diagnosed? He was about seven, yeah, I think. Um, and Anthony was seven, and then got re- diagnosed at seven and re-diagnosed at forty. He went back. So and got did he have meds at it. seven? No, 
Nah, just a his, diagnosis. Yeah, his parents back then, I mean, back then it was oh. kind of had that negative feeling about medication. Oh, sure um, did, yeah. Yeah, he does wish that they did, mm. um, but, you know, who, who can you say can't, for you that? You can't go back. The 80s. Yeah, and, the <laughs> and it was is, a product of their time as well. Yeah. yeah, But they didn't not treat it. They, to their credit, they did heavy duty occupational therapy. They oh. like they threw resources at it, right? Mm. So um, they did make lots of allowances and okay. um, and you know did support him in other ways. Mm. Right. Okay. And so when if you, you don't have to answer, but when he was forty, did he choose to go on medication himself? He chose to trial it. Yeah. Um, so what happened to go back to get the re-diagnosis is his job changed at that time and he was now went from being, you know, very, very active in his job to having to sit at a desk uh. and he was like, okay, this I can't do this. Mm. Um, and so he did a trial for just to see if that made things better, which I think it did. I never, I'm never quite sure that he got to the right yeah, dosage so thing yeah. then. Um, but then his job changed back, so it was okay. So he was able to go back to, you know, just managing it through. He manages it quite hectically through exercise and, mm. you know, um, the coping mechanisms that he's developed yep. over the years. Yeah. So it's, it's, it goes okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just always interested into whether adults choose to be medicated or not, you know, because mm. I have made that decision for my children um, and so I'm always interested to know what adults choose to do for themselves. Mm. Well, our kids are, mm. um, and I think as an ADHD coach, I think he probably could, should, mm. could, <laughs> should. Um, but it's his choice, you know, and that's that's the thing. And he seems to be functional and it doesn't interfere with too much. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's the level of which at how much you you know, when you get to be an adult and you don't have to sit yeah, quietly yeah, in a classroom yeah. all day, you kind of you kind of can pick and choose mm. that little bit. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So where did you go to get your study? Yeah. Where did you? Yeah, so I trained at ADCA in New York, which is the ADHD Coaching Academy. Wow. Um, did you get to move to New York by yourself for two no, years? <laughs> no, no. It was actually the opposite of that. I got to get up at 3.45 in the morning. Oh and do all my work and then run around town like a drunk all day because I was so, so tired. tired. <laughs> yes. Like people would say hello to me in the supermarket and I have no recognition oh, no. who they were um, because level. I was just so tired. But I got, yeah. I got through it and I'm so glad I did because it is an incredible academy and I learnt so much. And even though I'd been studying it for a long time before that, it gave me real confidence with adults because I'd come in really strong with parenting stuff, mm -hmm. which is I, I can do that naturally. Like I, I live it every day. I can I can really with my study, like my informal study, I felt mm -hmm. like I can do that. But um, knowing how to really get an adult invested in their own development mm. and get them that, to have that buy-in on the solutions that they're creating for themselves and that mm. have that accountability piece is mm. just, uh, I, I love it. It's one of my favourite things that I get to do. Um, so, it, yes, it was a really positive experience. So when did you do that? Uh, I think, well, I'm still, I'm going about to go into my next one, um, but not last year, the year before I finished that one. So right. it's a couple of, couple of years in there um, yeah. of, of hard, hard work, really. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Started the fun- when did you start the Functional Family? No, I started the Functional Family six years ago. Mm-hmm. So back then we did parenting exclusively. So I yeah. didn't work with adults and um, that was sharing what I knew about my family. Um, so like on Instagram or where did you do that? Yeah, so I've got a platform. So I've got a uh, free support group. with. It's got about 12,000 members in there at the moment. Wow. Um, and um, I've got a platform that has a six-week course. I've got a membership, right. podcast, yep. um, awesome. all of all of those things. Um, and obviously that's that just hasn't appeared. That's grown over yeah. time. Oh, yeah, yeah, and a lot of yeah. work went into it, yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a lot. Oh. But I guess... One of the things that I love that's my favourite is just connecting with this beautiful community because I don't want other people to feel like we did when we got that photocopied pamphlet, you know, like, yeah. So it's a nice, safe, safe place for people to share a little bit about their journey and a bit like what you guys do, you know, like you create create this beautiful platform for Mm. people to feel at home mm. in you know in this lovely world yeah and then creating what you wanted yeah Yeah. you you wanted a place where your family felt typical yes yeah. Mm. And that there's no judgment, like it's, yeah, it's, and even though the business is called The Functional Family, you know, it's, it is very much real. Like it yeah, yeah. really uh, is about not being, like I always say, like our family is never going to look perfect. It's never going to look like everyone else's social media feeds, right? Like we have, it's a, it's a messy old life, yeah. um, but we have found a way to make our life work for us. It's not yeah. going to be perfect, but we're happy. All right, and that's the best. You know, that's that's the best thing for me. We it doesn't have to look good to anyone else, but it has to feel good to be in. Yeah, that's mm. right. And I mean, what is functional? What is there's all these phrases that, you know, like um, I'm separated from my ex husband. So people, someone said to me, "Oh, you have a broken home," and I'm like, "No, the home's the home's not broken. What's what's broken about the home?" But I know that those phrases were really home. big for during the eighties. Yeah. You know, you broke your home. Um, so yeah, you. Really, the joy of a functional family is knowing this is how our family functions and it's nothing mm. like your family. You know, you might have one child that really needs this and then or you might only have one child or you might have ten children. They're all different functions. Yep. Mm. And and just identifying what that is, like there's so much power in that and being, you know, mm. like knowing that your family runs at, a, you know, different pace, different intensity, different, you know, like levels of in, of, of energy Mm. Um, you know, there's so much power in that and, and being able to advocate and go, oh, no, actually, we're not going to commit to that at this stage. Yeah. We're going to do this. We're going to do X, Y, Z, and that's perfectly okay, Yeah, you know. But that's a lot of people get swept up in other people's yes. shoulds. Mm. Mm. Oh, mm. I think that's a huge topic to cover. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> really know? is. And keep up with other families when and then trying to have that courage in yourself to say, no, it doesn't suit us. Yeah, and acknowledging then that when you go to an event, and it's less and less for me now because my children are older and half of my kids have left home and, you know, but when you go to an event, the whole way there you've got anxiety. Mm. You're thinking about what I'm going to do to make this event easier for my children. You're not thinking about this is going to be a fun picnic. You're going to be like, we are going to run in that lake. We are going to try and go down the slide backwards when there's other people coming. Like all these things that you're doing and you actually have the worst day and you don't connect with any of your friends because you're just helping your children be safe. And then you're like, why did I say yes? Mm. Really hard to not. But then you want to fit in and you want your family to go to the Christmas party and it's just, it's really tricky. 
It's that balance, hey, and, you know, I think that's where we touched on that burnout piece earlier mm. that often the mums, like, oh, the primary caregiver, like often the mums end up developing this hypervigilance state, oh, right? Yeah. We're just on alert, mm-hmm. right? And so you're there and you're doing the things, but you are constantly on the lookout for dangers and, you know, like oh. you're anticipating things all the time. And even when your child is not struggling in that moment our body is still having that reaction because we're anticipating that they might right Mm. so that burnout piece is a huge a huge topic for this community and it doesn't matter whether the mum is neurotypical or neurodivergent just you know having a child with extra needs can result in that burnout you know because of that saying to my therapist the other day that um, and I, I won't go into much of this because my boys are bigger now, but at night, if one of them wakes up, I have a full adrenaline rush. Like I am awake. I am. And I said, I have been having that basically since they were born because they were in the NICU. Right. So I've always had this thing with them. They're 18 now that it doesn't go away. Like, I don't know how to get that to go away. And I think, I think I can, and then something will happen. I'm like, no, I needed that adrenaline today. I still need to protect this family. Mm. Mm. It's fun times. I mean, ADHD <laughs> itself is a dysregulated nervous system, right? Yeah. And I sometimes feel like parts of that are contagious. Yeah. Like, yeah, because their dysregulation results in other people's dysregulation. And so it, that regulation piece and supporting um, like I think this is the part where we miss out in helping families. We often focus a lot on, you know, therapies or the child individually, mm. but it's bigger than that because every therapy is giving that that those parents homework. Yes, right? you can talk to and Mandy about that. <laughs> we're piling it on. Mm. And as a family, we have to be able to survive this. We th- we know that parents who are burnt out, right, just to give you like a little example of things that I've noticed, like a mum who is burnt out gives her child less eye contact, right? Mm. So she she does these things like mm, looking away, like eye rolling, like trying to distance mm. herself, like mm. sensory overload. Mm. I do it myself, like on those days I where the boys are hard. Do that. Yeah, so do I'm I. like, so stop touching me, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> Make um, me want to howl and rock in the corner. Yeah. Yes. And you're talking to me. I love you so much, but you're talking so loud about yep. such a boring topic for so long. And I can't look at you anymore, but I love you and I want you to talk to me. It's this weird juxtaposition. It's so confronting. And then we've got sensory seeking children generally who are want like what do they do when we turn away? They yep. calm more. Yeah. Right? They, they pounce. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down, we're pouncing. Oh, yeah. So we have to be able to help the whole family regulate. Yes. It's, and, the, and help the whole family with executive functions, to, regardless of um, whether they're neurodivergent or not. We have to be able to support the whole family because oh. when we start to fit, make the prime, especially if we, if I love to support the primary caregiver, right, mm. um, one, because I love supporting women, I think, yeah. I think generally, generally that's my market. Yeah. Um, and so... If we can make her feel like she's kicking some goals, mm. give her a little bit more time. Mm. Like just take a few things, give her a little bit more time. Mm. Give her a little bit 
opportunities to have that little pocket of calm Mm -hmm. in her day, Mm -hmm. then you start to see that she can tolerate some of that sensory seeking a little bit better. Like there's the power. She starts to feel like she's she's not a failure. She's got a little bit of more like um, Mm -hmm. uh, fuel in the tank because she's had those little pockets and those little wins and each one's of those little wins, like they build on top of each other. We get we get so much negative feedback about our kids oh. and, you know, it, like I, I know you guys know what I'm talking about, those little looks and those little comments and um, and they slowly, like I often say it's like death by a thousand cuts, like mm. they each leave their little mark and we lose a little bit of our confidence, right? So building up that primary caregiver's con- uh, confidence again they start to be able to advocate for themselves better, mm. advocate for their kids better, mm. be confident in their approach mm. and also tell people what they need. Mm. Often we don't talk, talk, talk to people about what we need enough. No. no. Mm. Well, I think it's scary if you think what you need isn't what anybody else needs. So often the only people that we tell are other people that are fully burdened. Mm. <laughs> so you're like, oh, here's my friend who's, has this terrible thing going on in their life, I'll talk to them because, you know, (laughs) they will relate. (laughs) Not even that my life's terrible, but you know what I mean? And so to say to someone, I need this, when it's something that's so left of field from from their sphere of family is really hard to do. Mm, it is hard and it, and it is a muscle that we have to practice, like we have to build it mm. because no one, like uh, from what I've learned in our community is that sometimes people feel bad offering it too. Yeah. So they want to give you support but they don't want to offend you, they don't know what support to offer um, and even like I'm a bit of I like to do, I do this, I don't like to do it, but I do it a little bit. I like to think I'm a bit of a martyr sometimes like someone will go I'll drive the boys to soccer and I'll be like oh no it's right like it's okay no I should just say yes yeah Mm. yes if they're Mm. offering take it right Mm. um so it's about taking those opportunities as well when when they're offered and asking like you know asking when you when you can um to and confidently asking like this is how you could help yeah you know yeah uh and, and also, dawn for me has got a, a <laughs> it's dawn. And <laughs> I think, that. yeah, I think as well, I have to be, because by the time I'm asking, I'm quite desperate, but it never mm. looks like I am. So mm. then I have to be emotionally ready for them to say, oh, I'm busy because mm. they don't know, <laughs> right? And so any little bit of rejection that comes at that point really doubles down and I just do head miles for a month and they haven't thought about it again, you know. But Mandy and I often talk about offering help. That's our big thing whenever we do talks or whatever. We're like, it's okay to say to one of your friends or family or someone that you see in the supermarket, are you okay? Do you need me to pick that up for you? And if they say, yep, you just walk off. Like it's it's really, you know, to take the burden off the carer, it would be lovely if people around the carer just offered sometimes. And how good ju- does just someone offering feel? Oh, even if you can't take it. Yeah, even if you can't, like, it just takes, it just makes you feel so nice. Like, yeah, yeah it, it really does. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're yeah. working with predominantly mothers I'm hearing, what are some of the reoccurring themes that people are talking about that they need help with? Mm. I think that, well, what I would say is that a lot of the time we get so in the thick of it, right? So we get, we're just kind of surviving each day. Like it's, we get in that state where we're just kind of, we just got to get them to school and then we just got to get them to bed and then we just got to do like all these yeah, things. Yeah, like that. Yeah. So we're in like this state of kind of perpetual motion, doing lots of rushing energy, right? When we know that rushing energy in the ADHD brain. Um, so we often like make it quite hard for our kids to make good choices when we come at them with rushing energy. Um, emergencies, they do well in pressure mm. and overwhelm. Um, so what we do is we work through points of friction in their day. So where are those little points? Because it's not the big meltdowns that suck our energy, right? Mm-hmm. The big meltdowns, they happen, and we tend to cope with those pretty well because they're, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they might happen regularly, but we can support our kids through that. This is this is what generally happens, um, but it's those little bits of friction. Like if we anticipate that, for example, my son Harvey is going to have a problem putting socks on every day. Every day. <laughs> it's always He's going to have a problem with yeah. socks, right? Um, he's going to have a problem with the seatbelt. So hmm. right then I'm already tensing yep. before I even ask him to do the thing. Yep, yep. Um, so I'm, what I love to do is to just put some framework around those little moments of friction. What can we do to make those easier? Like all those problems, those little moments of friction, predictable problems. Because mm-hmm. if you, if you know that it is a predictable problem, it happens regularly. <laughs> I love to be able to work with that family to address it or work with that mum to address it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all have predictable problems. Like there's like predictable problems for us, there's predictable problems for our kids, there's predictable problems with our houses and our lives and everything. Mm. Um, and what we can do is just if we can remove and handle some of those or we can create some strategies around it that work for that family uniquely or that person uniquely, that's where we see that empowerment come in. They start to go, oh, I can make that a little bit easier for myself and they can save a little bit of time, get a little bit of momentum um, with solving some of those or if not solving them, working out a way to handle them in a, a way that doesn't suck their life for us. Mm, mm. Um, and that's that's where the, that's like a common scenario is, um, you know, like the, oh, man, there's so many. There's ones like overscheduling. Yeah. We have this tendency to completely overschedule our lives you know, especially when um, we all want you know, our kids to be involved in all sorts of mm, things mm. and develop lots of skills, um, you know, sensory issues, like even things like I help people with meal planning and laundry and all mm. that sort of stuff like that. Um, these are the little things that we don't necessarily think of when we think of ADHD, but they are executive function oh, challenges. Definitely. I, yeah. Yes. 
So creating a little bit of um, a little bit of framework around that. Mm. Oh my gosh! If we can just take some of the pressure off, mm. then mm. we can really help. Uh, you know, move the families forward, make their lives just a little bit easier. I anything that lights me up, like thing, the things that really light me up, are things that save time, effort, mm. I, and create a little bit more room for joy. Because I can, I've got three kids and run a business. I want to save time and effort because I want to be able to to be the present parent. Sometimes, yeah. not all the time. In fact, some of the times I'm a very distracted parent. Yeah. But I want to be able to have those moments where I can be there and be fully there, not mm. thinking about all the stuff that I have to do. And so for me to be able to do that in this busy, crazy life, mm. I have to have be dealing with those friction points because other t- otherwise when I get to those opportunities, I'm too exhausted to take them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true, so true. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a lot for me to think about really. But, yeah, so true. And I think if I go back through my parenting some of those things come naturally, like you're like, I'm just throwing out all those socks. They're gone. We can never accidentally find one ever again. <laughs> I don't care if you wear dirty socks. We are not having those socks, <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. And, you know, you're like, oh. The- oh, you're fine. Tag off now. Yeah. Tag. Tag off. <laughs> yeah. Or you're like, I'm just buying jam the label socks. They don't have seams. You know, whatever works. Oh yeah, whatever works, and and I think that we've. Got, I love that approach because elimination is a strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, being able to recognize that it is a point of friction, mm. and handling it, you know, <laughs> is also teaching our kids that they can do that. Mm. Like we don't have to, you know, like there there is a way to. You can either, you know, like you can create a strategy for. It, you can eliminate it. You can delegate it. You can like decide. You can diarize it to handle it later, like when it's more appropriate. You know, there's all sorts of things that you can um, do with those points of friction. Um, and we want to teach our kids that they can do that because they're yeah. going to have lots of point of friction mm. as they're growing up. Mm. Do you use uh, that term with them? Do you yes. say? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I either use uh, friction for the, you know, as we're starting and then the the problem is a predictable problem. So if it's coming up again, uh, and I've got a lovely little worksheet, actually, I can send it to you um, to share. It's how to workshop with your kids predictable problems Mm. because I don't ever want to solve it for them because I'm an ADHD coach. I want them to learn problem solving because they're going to have lots of problems as they come up, like lots of problems every day. Yeah, my kids. So I want them to be their brain to be thinking of how can I make this easier for myself. This is all very handy for our kids with physical disabilities as well, which is my daughter. Mm. There's pretty problems from the minute she wakes up. Mm. Yep. So this is really great language that I need too. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my, my pleasure. I'll share the, the little worksheet with, for you. Basically, what you're doing is you're asking them to tell you about it, and then you're asking them to workshop three solutions. Mm. And we view all solutions like an experiment. Right, so we we don't we're not emotionally out um, like attached to the outcome. We're not mm-hmm. saying like we because there's you know with ADHD there's black or white thinking, right? We're either good or bad, we're on or off. We're you know all these like very extreme ways of thinking. Mm. So I'm just going no no no. We're taking the pressure off. We're just going to try these things, mm. and if they if they suck, we won't do them anymore. Like mm. we've got the best thing about the ADHD brain is it's ideas factory yeah at forming ideas yeah so i just say that's okay because we will come up with other ones so we workshop those three solutions and then we we work out what one we're going to try first mm-hmm. and um and it's a lovely way of taking uh, moving away from that all or nothing approach that is quite 
common with ADHD. Like yeah. you, you did this thing, it's failed, now it's ruined. That's it, we're done. <laughs> and so I'd like to say like problems come up, these, these predictable problems come up and we handle it. And then another problem will come up and we'll handle it. Mm. Like everything is figure outable. That Marie Folio saying, everything's figure outable. <laughs> when you when you come and talk to me, we can we can figure it out together. Mm. And I want them to come up with a solution. The reason that I do is because all my kids have ODD yeah. and they have a lot more buy-in. Yeah. And I don't tell them. I don't give them something to push against. Yeah, yeah. When I'm yeah. I don't give them demands that they can get and yeah. they can push against mm. i let them come up with because the, uh, with the solution because then they are more willing to try yeah and more willing oh, that's to go. yeah <laughs> really awesome so if you were if you could go back now and talk to yourself when you your son was first diagnosed or when you first thought about it what's something you would say to yourself i would say oh this is a bit personal now I would say prioritise yourself more mm. because I think back in the early days, mm. and this is, you know, something that I almost cringe at now, when I first, when my son first got diagnosed, I was very much about fixing it. Mm. I was like, we're going to do all the diets yeah. and we're going to do all the, read all the books and we're going to do all that. We put him through neurofeedback and we put him through like everything. We, we make, we, he was going to a thousand different therapies and mm. doing all these things. I mean, great for me who then later created an online course about all the things. Mm. Um, but probably we threw a lot at him mm. and I was coming at, at, at it from a, a um, very much like, you know, we've, we've got to help him as much as we can. I would have taken some of that pressure off. I would have put more into myself because mm. I don't know if you guys know, but I was diagnosed with uh, autoimmune condition. So mm. I have chronic pain, chronic issues, had mm. half a paralyzed face for a long time, still a little bit. Mm. Um, and so I just burnt myself out. Yeah. And that's where that passion comes in really to support that primary caregiver mm. because uh, I think the most common theme that comes across in the functional family is just how bloody tired everyone is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so... Uh, we have to do a better job at looking after ourselves, the families in general, and a beautiful that beautiful, exhausted parent um, rather than making things harder or shaming them or anything. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know? So I would say just, I don't know, I'd say to my, that that first step, okay, go to Gwingana, <laughs> do a health retreat, just go there, go there for a while, <laughs> check out. Come up with your game plan there. Don't don't read any more books. Just yeah. take take a step back. Um, there are times when doing this and li and all your lived experience is a little bit too much, and you think, "I wish I just worked at Aldi." Or are you? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> See, it's funny because I get really energized by my clients, yeah. right? So the yeah. the work side of thing is energizing. I actually adore it, and yeah. I love hearing, and it comes easily to me, right? Yeah. Like, I can do it really easily um, and I love the feedback that I get, like the test, like yes. hearing people's lovely feedback and stuff really makes my heart sing. Mm. Um, but to this day I still look like sometimes my kids, I'm like, oh, like even yesterday I was walking down the street and one of the mums in the street went, oh, isn't school holidays just going a bit so fast? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I looked at her and she went, oh, maybe not for you. Like, <laughs> Yes. wrong audience yeah <laughs> I, I, I thought oh 
<laughs> I didn't I didn't respond didn't respond it was just a look but I don't want to well, tear them down no, that's their experience wow. I don't want to take away from her but we are not the same no. she didn't catch me at a really great moment um <laughs> and so definitely it, it it has its moments right like and yeah. uh I guess the only thing that saves us, you know, in a house where the mum has a chronic disease and the mm. and everyone else, ha, you know, has a lot of intensity, um, is our systems that we fall back on. Mm. Like we have good structure, not not structure as in like do this at certain times. Like we have good support systems mm-hmm. in place. Um, so that is something what we we fall back on, and we spend a lot of time just laughing at our own ridiculousness. Yeah. Really, yeah. In, like we we have a good giggle. Like, yeah, like there's nothing like, you know, my husband absolutely losing it with his own emotional regulation issues to then come back and go, oh my goodness, like he's like, oh, can't believe that. Like I'm <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> my dad is 73. I'm sure, and he is not diagnosed, but he absolutely has ADHD. And some of our funniest stories are from him. Yeah. I mean, still like, and my girls will be like, other people's grandpas don't do that. I was like, <laughs> I grew up thinking other people's dads don't do this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a mystery until we all put the pieces together. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But he's I mean, so warm and lovely yeah. and, you know. Yeah, yeah. mischief. Yeah, and joy. I, I would be a teenage girl and he would get the, the food. This is a prime example. The food shopping would come out and he'd go, whose pads are these? Whose pads are these? And then he'd throw them at us. And we'd be like, I don't think other people's dads do that. <laughs> they don't even say the word pad, other people's dads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> you know, in the 90s. But, yeah. you know, actually was he was fun. He is fun. Yeah, super yep. fun. Yeah. And I think appreciate like being able to be in a spot where you can appreciate mm. that fun actually um, really helps. Because oh, yeah. If, if you're so burnt out, then that fun is just bloody annoying because yeah. you're like, shut yeah. up about it. My mum will have a different Embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas we were like, oh, he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, there's there's some there's some things that are that are that go on that you just often think, oh my goodness. That's why I always say like reality TV show needs to. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's you could if you wrote the script, people would be like, nah, that's not real. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's something in that for you guys, and that and Kate saying you want to edit it because the you know the history of ADHD in the television is shocking. Mm, it's terrible. We, you know, not that we have the responsibility to change that, but we definitely need to change it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We need to realize that there are uh, there's trickiness with it, but there's awesomeness with it, and that's how these amazing humans were born. Like you can't change it, you can't take it away. We all have different things that we need, different scaffolding around us to cope in our lives. Theirs looks different to mine. Actually, I wouldn't give them scaffold because they'd climb to the top. But you know what I mean. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, like that's how boring if everyone was the same. Like I love that, um, you know, that we can these days, you know, say ADHD without a negative feeling. Yeah. Like, you know, back in the day, people were like, ADHD. Yeah. Oh, like, it's a secret. You know, yeah. And children, but, are, and children are talking about it at school. I, yes. I have ADHD or they can come over and, yeah. you know, I, I hear it. 
Yeah. The, the world is changing, probably still a little bit slowly. What I would love to see it change for is for women that have ADHD now too yeah. because yeah. For, for women, like most people still think of ADHD like that hyperactive boy yeah. presentation, right? But for women, the truth of it is that a lot of the time they're not, they, they have a hyperactive brain. It yes. looks like anxiety, right? Yes. Oh, it's um, massive. Mm. Yeah. I think so, there's a few famous women coming out and talking yeah. about it now. So yeah. interestingly, a lot of them are in media. So yeah. I suppose that's because they're famous. But I think also that brain has enabled them to Creative. do all these things that, yeah, but it's at a huge cost probably as well because it's, you know, never turning off. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, I think, and I think for me, ADHD, my boy's ADHD presented exactly how the textbook ADHD presents, incredibly active, um, you know, an inattentive and attentive ADHD go hand in hand and still look out the window at school. You know, it's not like it's constantly moving, especially when you're medicated. But I know it's a lot trickier for a few of my friends whose daughters were diagnosed post-school because mm -hmm. it was actually once they got out of that structure of school, even though they got an amazing grade, they couldn't do uni. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, what we're missing and what people are missing, like for the women that are getting diagnosed as their kids are getting diagnosed and they've missed out on all early intervention mm. and stuff, is that we're missing out on, on upskilling people with executive function skills. Mm. And so, like we have a saying in ADHD coaching is the pills don't give you the skills, right? So you need <laughs> to, you, they just level the playing field, yeah. right? So they make it easier to learn, mm. but we still need to be able to give our kids the executive function skills they got to learn that yeah that's um and that's practice yeah. and so we 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 need to be able to support families in a way that they can actually help their kids with that or help um you know like help themselves with that to ex like you know build those muscles up because there is neuroplasticity right like we can learn new executive mm. function skills mm. like we can change and develop we're always changing and and, and growing and stuff all the time but we we have to be able to support especially these women that have missed years and years of intervention any sort of therapy like and they've been mothers yep thrown mm. into this world yeah mm. yeah judging themselves so harshly their inner voice is nasty yeah. yeah 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 and um and you know they've just never been given the opportunity to even you know like use that executive function mm. um, muscle and develop those skills. Mm. And so that, that's one of, like, the best parts of what I get to do because I get to go, like, hey, let's practice this bit. Like, let's mm. just workshop this a little bit, see what, what they come up with and roll it out, practice it. Um, and, you know, like I love it when people go, oh, my God, I did a thing. Like, I did this thing. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, they, I get these little emails, like, I did it. And I, I, every time yes. I get it, I go, oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. You know. I'm doing a wonderful job. Yes, so oh, great. What are your dreams for your business? Mm. Oh, I've got so many. So I want to... <laughs> I want to um, build the, I've got a membership at the moment. That's a low cost membership. Yep. And the reason that I want, or the reason I created that is I know that not everyone can afford to have an ADHD coach. Yeah, not that. everyone has EIS. No. Your community. We, we don't. Um, so I, I think that um, I, I've created that in a way that people can have access to an ADHD coach without having to pay for ADHD coaching. Awesome. And so I've got more reach with that. 
Um, so we do like a masterclass each month. We tackle a theme, like they get a mm. template. We, mm. you know, we have a mindset session and everything like that. Mm. So that is what I want to build next. Um, but, you know, I've got so many things, like really my motivation behind this is to help families just like mine and to help this beautiful community feel supported and have strategies to try, mm. right? Like I want to break down all of the misinformation and just give them like, hey, how about we just try this thing? <laughs> just see how that floats out yeah. and um, and take away some of that confusion for them uh, to make really to make room for joy because we're only here for a short time mm. and um and it can't be just surviving every day like life is yeah. just too short for that we need to have those moments it doesn't have to look beautiful all the time but we need to have those moments where we are happy mm. you know in our family life mm. <laughs> and so any moments that we can create that or any sort of um you know tools that i can give mm. to allow a little bit more of that that's what that's what I want to do. That's the dream for this business. Oh, what a perfect dream. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Before we finish, is there anything that you would love the peas to know? Oh, just that you're doing a great job, mm. you guys, and also the people at home. Like it's mm. hard. Mm. It's hard out there, right? Mm. And um, you know, like it, it's it's un, often unsupported. It's thankless. <laughs> and, um, oh, yeah. You know, so I just want to say thank you for all the incredible work that you do for your kids and for yourselves and advocating for your family in a, in a world that often is a bit spiky, has some mm. spiky edges. Uh, and I really think that we all need to give ourselves a big pat on the back for mm, yeah. all the incredible things they do. And do do take some time out where you can, those little pockets of calm. Wingana mm. isn't reachable for all of us, um, you know, taking those big week breaks, but those little moments. Maybe Nobody knows if you sit in yeah. the car park at Aldi for 10 minutes before coming home. Nobody <laughs> knows. Oh, relate. <laughs> now my family knows because I'm on that Live 360. But before that, they did not know. Yeah, but they, if you're <laughs> close to the entrance, Mandy, they can't tell if you're still shopping. I have done exactly this. <laughs> oh, it's self-care to sit in that car oh self-care yeah. Yeah. the greatest yeah you know even sometimes just in the garage in the car oh, yeah it takes takes them a couple of moments to realize you're home it's all right yeah. um, <laughs> oh, no. the door. what are you doing <laughs> so, are you coming in sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's those little moments and just being also kinder in how we talk to ourselves too like anytime that I hear a person especially a person with ADHD say I should I should do this mm. or you know like I've been told I should like I should be doing this or whatever like we there, there's a lot of like a person with ADHD doesn't want to hear should like not yeah. not from themselves not not from anyone else mm. um we, we have to be kinder in how we talk to ourselves as well so like we're doing something that's hard and um and we're doing a pretty good job at it so yeah, yeah. yeah so listen to that please listen, yeah, listen to, to that, that. Mm. thank you Sharon so much we've learned a lot today yeah, thank we'll you thank We'll put all your details in the show notes mm. and so people can come and find you. And um, congratulations on building such an incredible business. Yeah, thank oh, you. Thank you so much for the incredible work you guys are doing. I have listened to your podcast for years, so I was <laughs> very excited to, to talk to you today. Oh, thank we're thrilled you. to have you. ADHD is very close to our hearts. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 